Just in case you wonder, I have the pants at home. Yeah, I got the whole thing. Yes, indeed. I had a friend who challenged me to wear some Santa Claus suspenders, and I said, that's not in my character. And then I watched that video, and I realized something. I realized that Christmas is a big deal, a big, big deal. So I started pressing in, what's the big deal about Christmas? And believe it or not, Christmas is that thing that sets the whole world singing where we can do fun stuff like grandma got run over by a reindeer or wear something like this that you couldn't pay us to wear any other time of the year, right? (laughs) Of course. So what's the connection? And I was listening to a song that all of us have heard, and it started to connect the dots for me. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus right down Santa Claus Lane. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor. He loves you just the same. Santa Claus knows, listen to this, we're all God's children. How about that? And that makes everything right. So fill your hearts with Christmas cheer because... Santa Claus comes tonight. And if that verse didn't say it clear enough, listen to this one. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus right down Santa Claus Lane. He'll come around when the chimes ring out that it's Christmas morn again. Peace on earth will come to all if we just follow the light. So let's give thanks to the Lord above because Santa Claus comes tonight. How about that? Yeah. So let's jump into this and let's figure out why this is such a big deal and how that all works together. And the first thing that we need to know is how to turn this on. All right, here we go. The first thing we need to know is something about our own human nature. And you and I know this instinctually. And that is we don't live comfortably with uncertainty. We just don't. You know, that's what makes kids able to jump and run around and have a great time because for them, life is certain. Their parents have the answer to every question. They're sure of it because every time they ask a question, the parents never say, I don't know. They always tell them what the answer is. And you know something? They don't worry about the future. For them, the future seems absolutely certain. And when we become certain about our future, there's there's an unbridled joy that's available to us. So, as adults, oftentimes, we live with what I would call a bridled or... or, um, what shall I say, a restrained joy. Because there are some questions that hang over our heads and they have hung over our heads since the beginning of history. And and they are the two biggest and deepest questions and every culture, every culture in recorded history has struggled with these and tried to put forth some answer to them. And here is the first one, immortality. How can we achieve it? 
instinctively, we all know that there has to be some form of life after this life. Yeah, every culture has believed that. And by and large, virtually everyone who has lived has believed that. A few haven't, but most do. And here's something else that we all know. We all know that the answer to immortality has something to do with how we live now. And that is, how should we live? Now, we've wrestled with that for thousands of years. And prior to Jesus coming on the scene, there was all sorts of answers that were given to that. Well-intentioned answers. The Romans had a pantheon of gods, most of which they borrowed from the Greeks. The Greeks were the ones who had that pantheon of gods. And it was a series of temples and gods and goddesses and demigods. And and in order to get on the right side of them, in order to live correctly, you, you had to believe certain things and go to temples and offer sacrifices and go through rituals. And long before the Greeks had that, the Egyptians had some of the same beliefs, different gods, different names but massive temples and rituals and sacrifices and rules to keep, all trying to answer the question, how should we live so that when we die, we have some expectation that what lies on the other side of death will be good? The Jews came along and Moses gave them the Ten Commandments. And by the time that Jesus came along, the Jews had more than 630 commandments that you had to keep in order to make sure that when you died, good things would come to you. You know, whether you were Egyptian, actually, if we were to go into Far Eastern religions, the same sorts of things, the same questions, and the same sort of answer. And the answer sort of always was about this question. How good is good enough? So if you're going to keep the eightfold path, how good, how well do you have to keep it? If you're going to keep the five pillars, how good is good enough? If you've got 630 commands, how good is good enough? If you have a pantheon of gods, how good is good enough? And there were all sorts of answers given to that. And then Jesus came. And Jesus said, what if that's not the actual question? What if there's a different question? And so let's dig into this Christmas message a little bit. And I'm going to read to you a passage that you all know. And here it is. This is what the angel said when Jesus was born. This is what the angel said to the shepherds. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event. And notice it's a great event. And what kind of an event? Joyful. Joyful enough that we could wear silly and stupid stuff? Yep, it is. Yeah. Joyful event that is meant for everyone worldwide. And then the angel introduced a term that unless you were Jewish, you'd never heard of. A Savior is born to you. It was only the Jewish faith that ever even talked about a Savior coming. No other religion had ever even thought of the idea of a Savior. 
And the angel said, a Savior is born to you in David's town, a Savior who is both Messiah and Master. There were some surprises in this. And let's take a look at two. The first is this. The promised Savior wasn't actually a person who was sent, but was actually the God who came. Nobody had ever thought of that idea. Who would ever be so proud and preposterous as to think that we were so important that God would leave his home and come to earth and live with us? Prior to Jesus coming, if anyone had said that, they would have looked at you and said, what are you smoking? That cannot be true. But the big surprise of Christmas was that God did send somebody. He came himself. The second big surprise of Christmas was this. That Jesus came to teach us, and as we read through his teachings, and the teachings of those who followed him, that the path to life and immortality is about the God who gave, not about the people who did. Now that's a phenomenal message. It's about the God who gave. If you've hung around church at all, or if you've watched any professional sporting event... Sometimes there's a guy with a fuzzy afro, multicolored afro in the background, and he's holding up a sign. And what does the sign say? John 3, 16. Yeah. And it reads like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but would have eternal life. That's immortality. That's that life after death. Once again, it's about the God who gave, not the people who did. Now, early on in Christianity, there was a guy who hated Jesus, and he hated Jesus' followers, and he hated the whole idea of Christianity, and he did his very best to either kill or imprison anyone who believed in Jesus. And then one day, he had a personal encounter with Jesus. And it changed his life. And God used him to write more than half of the manuscripts that make up the New Testament in your Bible and mine. And looking back on that very first Christmas day, he wrote something about that. And the message that he was giving is the message of Christmas. And so here here it is in a nutshell, and then I'll read it in its fullness. This is the message of Christmas, that God intentionally draws near to those who have been drawn away. That was true of the guy that wrote this passage I'm about ready to read to you because he was drawn completely away from Jesus to the point he hated him. Some of us in this audience have been drawn away. Maybe innocently we got busy with life and the whole idea of, of sharing life with God, the whole idea of, of following Jesus and, and what comes in that package, it, it just wasn't for us because we didn't have time for it. And slowly we were just drawn away. We still said we believed in God and we do. 
But in terms of a life with Him, we just don't have it. Some of us can point to an event that scarred us. It might have actually happened in our home. It might have been someone in our home who claimed to be a Jesus follower and they lived like anything but that. Or maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Or maybe it was a pastor. Or maybe it was a priest. Or a nun. It doesn't make any difference what the title was. Parent, uncle, aunt, priest, pastor, nun, Sunday school teacher. It doesn't really make any difference. But when someone in our life claimed to follow Jesus, and they abused, mistreated, poured on the guilt, all demanded all these things, somehow we got drawn away. For some of us, it's just the plain lure of sin. There was something that looked really good to us. And probably our parents said, no, you don't want to mess with that. And we said to our parents, you don't get it, I do. And the next thing you know, we found ourselves addicted and enslaved. And life was a mess. Somehow we got drawn away. Now, the Apostle Paul writes this. God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done. What did we say a while ago? The path to life and immortality is not so much about people who did, but a God who gave. And there it is. God saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Now this grace, again, Paul's writing about the very first Christmas day. Here's how I know. This grace has now been revealed through what? The appearing of our Savior, the Messiah Jesus. What do we call the day that Jesus appeared? We call that Christmas. And then he goes on to say this. Who has destroyed death? Can I just say to you, if you want to know about that, you got to come back on Easter, all right? Because that's what Easter will be about, about how Jesus actually destroyed death. But for tonight, let's go to the rest of this. And he's brought life and immortality to light. In that silly little song, Santa Claus is coming to town. The author says good things will come if we just follow the light. Peace on earth will come if we just follow the light. And Jesus brought this life and immortality to light through the good news. It was through the good news of Jesus. So let's go back to our original question. How good is good enough? That's a good question. And I can tell you this. That question will sit over your head and mine. And it will be unresolved. When we try to answer how good is good enough. How many of the 630 commands do you have to keep? And how well do you have to keep them? Who says? Well you do your best and you hope it's enough. 
Who says how well you have to keep the five pillars? And how often and for how long? And we're told, do your best and hope it's enough. Who says how well you have to keep the eightfold path and for how long? And the answer is always the same. It's good, good enough. But you know something? Jesus came along and said, how about if we ask a different question? Not how good is good enough, but who's good is good enough? What if, what if eternal life and immortality is not so much about how good you are, but how generous God is? What if it's not so much about what you do? What if it's about what God did? And friends, that is the message of the entire Bible. Jesus came to take away this question mark. So you never have to ask yourself, am I good enough? I sure hope so. Because in the end, you and I are left with two options. A question mark and a cross. Our goodness and the goodness of God. No wonder the Apostle John wrote to the people of his day. And he said this, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, So that, would you read the next three words out loud with me? You may know you have eternal life. No wonder we can sing with unbridled joy at Christmas time. Because Jesus came to take the question mark out of our life. And he came to put the goodness of God in its place. So what does it look like to believe in the name of the Son of God? I'll leave you with this. It means trusting God to forgive our sins through Jesus. Instead of trying to make up for it, instead of trying to keep a bunch of rules and regulations, it means that you come to God and you say to Him, God, will you take me just as I am right now? And God says yes. And you have a choice to believe Him or not to believe Him. If you believe him, then you can receive that forgiveness. And then it means you walk with him through this life, believing that the same God who loved you enough to save you would never misguide you in this life. But he will lead you. He will bring into light life and immortality. Now, In the program that you got, on the inside there's a card. And there's a number of of options on that card. I don't have one here. You have one. But I know that the very first one is that I'm going to begin a relationship with God. So, um, I'm not, they don't pay me on commission. I'm not here. Thank you. I'm not, I'm not up here to try to twist your arm or lay a guilt trip on you. Or now that you've come to a Christmas Eve service, I have a captive audience. So I'm going to lay it on. No, it's none of that. 
if I could step off of this stage and you could just see Jesus and he would say to you, I love you. I gave my life for you. I'm here to save you and to lead you into an amazing life. It's all there for you. And then the choice would be yours. And so it is today. If you choose to do that, then uh, we have some uh, New Believers packets that are out uh, on the guest services kiosk. I want to encourage you to stop by and pick one of those up. Uh, They will give you three very simple things that you can do over the course of the first week, uh, over the course of this coming week, that will really help you uh, get to know Jesus better um, and and to get to understand this better. Um, That's a resource we want to give to you. There will be guest services people at the doors, and they will be uh, receiving those cards on the way out. There are many opportunities for you to ask for information about what our church offers Um, we would like to be of service to you if we can. So uh, you can put those in the baskets. The the next to the last passage that I read talked about Jesus bringing life and immortality to light. And so tonight, underneath your chairs, this afternoon, I'm sorry, underneath your chairs, there are candles. So if you would take a moment and retrieve the candle that's underneath your chair. Thank you. We're going to light our candles. And we're going to light our candles in honor of Jesus, who is the light of the world. So I want to talk to those of you who are not yet ready to accept that and believe that. And you're skeptical of that. Okay? I would love to have you light your candle, but for a totally different reason. First of all, I want to say, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you came. And I don't want to offend you in any way, and I certainly wouldn't want to ask you to do something that's hypocritical or to do something you don't believe. So those of us who are followers of Jesus, those of us who believe, we're going to light our candle in honor of Jesus, who is the light of the world. And for the rest of you, can, can you just... Light your candle because you think it's really cool and the lights go out and everybody lights their candle. And it's sort of an old school way of waving your cell phone with a flashlight on, all right? So you can just light it for that reason and enjoy the the ambiance and the effect. One thing about lighting your candle, the the, uh, guest services people will come down and they'll, they'll light the candles of the people on the edges of the aisles. And then we'll ask you to light each other's candle down the row. Once your candle is lit, Please love your neighbor by not tipping your candle and pouring hot wax on them while you try to light their candle, all right? You hold your candle straight up and let them bring the unlit one to you. And that way, everybody will be safe. So let's dim the lights and let's light these candles in honor of Jesus.